You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who so that you don't have to. Hi, I'm JR. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm Mark. I'm Simon. Okay, cards on the table. I thought that episode suffered from all the same problems as last week's episode did, and it was only saved by the last 20 minutes. It's a bit like Utopia. It was a pretty mediocre episode, but something massive happened in it that turned it around. And judging by the looks on everybody's faces, I think I'm alone in that. Um, I think I partially agree with that, actually. My first feeling was something along the lines of what is there anything actually happening in this episode the first and start then 20, 20 minutes like the last 15 minutes was you know I was holding my breath who was like this guy's got a clock counting down on the back of his neck so after 52 years of Doctor Who why does the doctor suddenly think oh we must start looking for trap streets because this guy's got a problem with an alien <laughs> it just came out of nowhere it was a bunch of great ideas. I mean, a haven for aliens who've been left stranded on Earth who need some kind of shelter. Mm-hmm. Refugees. Yeah, great idea. And Trap Street. Yeah, great idea. But it was like bundling lots of great ideas together without really exploring any of them. This was, this was a murder mystery that could have been explored over two episodes brilliantly, I think. Uh, you could have really gotten into characters in the street. You could have really had a complex kind of Sherlock Holmesian. Try mis- making faces. But that, that won't come out on the podcast if I'm making a face. <laughs> so just best ignore me. Just treat me as an audio source. The idea of the trap street is an episode just in itself. Mm. Somebody goes missing in a certain part of London and somebody else knows where they went missing. And so you have an investigation and the Doctor discovers this trap street and whatever's in the trap street, whatever caused this person to go missing, that becomes a mystery. In this, it was, oh, he's got a clock ticking down on the back of his neck. Must be a trap street. How? It just... Just like last week's episode, it was forcing you to make leaps of the imagination that weren't there to be made. Hmm, I didn't get that. I, I... I'd have to rewatch it, but I, it seemed to work fairly fluidly in my head. But how it did he make that leap of the imagination? I'm trying to remember what it was to do with his movements, wasn't it? Wasn't it to do with Rig- Rigsby's? Is it Rigsby? Rigsby. <laughs> <laughs> I keep wanting to call him Rigsby. <laughs> Rigsby. Um, yeah, it wasn't even to, to do with, do his, with movements. his movements because they had to search the whole of London before they found it. They had no well, idea he, where he spent scan, that missing 24 hours. He scanned him and said, there's nothing I can do for you, you're going to die. And then turns around and goes, actually, there's something we can do for you. So th- I'm just like you, Jay, I'm trying to work out from where where did he go from that thought to mm. then looking at maps. That's one of those details that could come out in a second watch. I was say. Yeah, hopefully. Well, well, it's not going to come out in a second watch because it wasn't there. Well, maybe it'll pay off later. I don't know. It's not going to pay off later. Mm, I don't know. It just wasn't well, there. Did, well, after watching last week's episode for a second viewing, there were things there which obviously I'd missed. Mm. Many down to somebody talking, but 
No, it was... You can talk, because you <laughs> were talking back <laughs> at I was talking back. Yeah, I, what can I do? Yeah, Mark, you weren't there. I said about <laughs> two words with the whole thing, and I get shot down in flames. Tonight, oh, yeah. nobody talked through that episode. We all watched it. No. <clears throat> and we it, did. But it's not just that that was a leap of the imagination that wasn't there to be made. It's mm. because there were things going on in that episode that should have had more made of them. It was there were some great ideas in that episode, but I think I, I think in my head it was to do with the fact that he was obviously at a certain place at a certain time. So therefore, they, were, they had no idea where he was. They had I'm to go watch it again. I'm I'm convinced because for some reason it made sense in my head. But yeah, I may be wrong. I may be wrong. It's no maybe can, about it. It's, I'm on about fixed points in time. I have to judge it in my first viewing, and from my first mm. viewing, it made sense in my head. Mm. So I can only go by but maybe that you at this the point in time. As you were going along. Sorry? Maybe you filled the blanks. Because that's what we de- yeah, maybe. do with Doctor Who a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's always a gap Oh, there's times that action. we point things out where there are gaps, yeah. yeah. And, and then you realise that people are well, making their own. But there's always a gap between action, always. Hmm. And then we'll just assume, oh, well, between that time, they must have done something to get to that point. Hmm. But with this, you needed to have that, that there was solid piece there, of logic because... to find a trap... Uh, because the doctor's he went never found before to the library and <laughs> but, looked at the maps and then had that whole stupid sequence with Clara hanging out of the TARDIS <laughs> looking down at the city. Uh, I disagree. Like a, I love that sequence. Well, yeah, but it was stupid. <laughs> yeah, but I loved it. Oh yeah, it well, great. stupid is not a criticism. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that because it was just like well he can do it so why doesn't he do it you know mm. he's going to have a look and see what what state the city's in at this point in time so yeah why not and it all kind of tied in with clara have being you, bloody annoying have you retconned that whole sequence what in what respect <laughs> he wasn't looking at london to see what state it was in no no he was, he was looking, looking he was looking to see how london is at that point in time and how it related to the maps no. Oh, and also where the blind spots. The blind spots the blind as well. Yeah, no, he'd given up on the maps by that point. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. I found with well more than a couple of the stories this season. I've had to go back and watch them again just to fully appreciate what's mm. going on. So it might be another one of those, maybe. Hello, Mark. Well, I, hello. <laughs> I think the pair of you are fooling yourselves. I think there was a serious. Mit- Judgment in the writing at the start of that episode. Who was the writer? Sarah Dollard. <clears throat> she did. Did she do Being Human? She's done something. She's mm. worked with somebody. Yeah, I think she's done Being Human and Toby Whithouse put her forward. I don't think it was awful by any stretch of the imagination. I just think it was like last week's. So I just think it was a run-of-the-mill episode and I think like... Or missed, or missed opportunity maybe. I, I do. Yeah. I mean, you were making faces at, the, at two episodes of a mystery but it, it it was supposed to be that, wasn't it? It's supposed to be, oh, he's murdered somebody or well, has he? I don't know. He's, had, he's missing a day and yeah. then you've got these strange creatures, uh, you know, which you only get a glimpse of in their real, you know, real kind of makeup. That was a bit of a shame because that when was. the Doctor turned up and the thing was, oh, these... What do they call them? Look worms or something. Yeah. Mm. Make you see things the way you think they should be. Well, for the Doctor and Clara, should we should have been seeing the well, aliens. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Mm. 
<laughs> Actually, yeah, one thing that was inconsistent with that was the effect was quite electronic. So mm. if it was, if they were doing it, if these worms were doing it, then it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have looked electronic, would it? Have, no, but and they could call it a circuit, and, said, and then it was organic. But what I'll say about that street, though, the Trap Street, is, let's face it, it was Diagon Alley. And it's exactly the same idea as in Harry Neverwhere Potter. as well for me. Yeah, yeah but Neverwhere. Mm. Um, in which case, would I expand it over two episodes? No, I wouldn't. Because mm. it's kind of a nod to that sort of thing anyway. That, that's no, my personal... I didn't, I didn't mean two episodes within the alley itself. I no, mean no, I mean episodes... two for the murder mystery. But the murder mystery was there purely as a trap for the Doctor. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. But why not let the, the streaks spill out into reality? We've had a lot of reality. We've had Because it's hidden away and... because the aliens are hidden away. Yeah, yeah, I know. But for... for... Interest and story. What would you do with it, Simon? What would I do with it? You know, just spill it out and make it interesting. Let humans see these creatures pouring out, or something. You do something a bit bigger, better, interesting. I don't know. I, I really small liked pockets. I like the. I quite like the insular idea. Yeah. Well, the idea was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the trouble is, it's a case of everything we needed to know. We were told about, rather than getting any examples of. I always say the difference between show and tell is not that you need to see something happening to believe it but that you need to see that everybody else believes in it in order to believe it. Whereas this episode had an awful lot of people telling each other things mm. without the real conviction that you'd get. <laughs> it's my turn to sit here <laughs> and make little body movements and twitches. Simon looks without, like he's on the naughty step. Without the real <laughs> conviction that you'd get if everybody who was playing the parts had a script that added up in their head. Mm. There's, there's Some of it, there's, I was thinking, thinking, I was watching it, thinking how this blended so much better. I know it's a completely different style, but to last week's, I mean, last week's was sketchy at times. I um, thought this was extremely sketchy. I've heard really? some people saying last week's episode was the worst episode of Doctor Who since it's come back, and I honestly can't say that I agree. No. I don't think that's right at all. It's, no. well, it's flawed. It felt like it to me. But Mm, well, anyway, that's it, for another conversation. But we've had other people well, saying we'll how wonderful it is as well, <laughs> telling me how wrong I am. You always get that, though. But that's fine. Yeah. There are very few it. episodes that absolutely everybody either loves or hates. Mm. Just, I mean, just from the trailer last week, I was getting obviously the Diagon Alley and Neverwhere straight mm. away. Yeah. And then this week confirmed it. It's definitely a Neverwhere mm-hmm. idea, isn't it? Where you have people in London, in kind of just in the corner of the eye, they yeah. they live. Oblivious. Oblivious, of, yeah, yeah, these strange fairy tale creatures or whatever. I was almost half expecting her to mention Torchwood, because if Torchwood were around, they would have picked up on these things, wouldn't they? It oh. would have been quite interesting to say, oh, well, Jack Harness used to come visiting a lot, or something like that. In the. And the Doctor would have been in I the I think dark it was in it. the Radio Times thing at the start of the series where Stephen Moffat maps out what's going to happen that's coming up ahead. And when it came to this episode, I think the sort of preview gave was imagine there are streets that nobody knows about where you can disappear and nobody will know where you've gone. That would have been an interesting story if people mm, were disappearing and the Doctor was on the oh, I see. Yeah. What if it search was a for them. Idea? But that wasn't what they did with it. They just... And, the idea, and like I say, the idea of it being like a refuge for aliens who've been left behind after battles and what have you, which is essentially what it was... Mm. That was a good idea too. Yeah. But if you wanted it to be that idea, you needed to investigate that idea. It was almost like that idea was just wasted by being the backdrop to the face of the raven thing. Oh, I mm. think it just adds to the texture. Well, it was texture, but the thing is, it was all texture and no story. Okay. 
Because what was the story? They turn up, Mm. she dies. Mm. No, he rings up, he's got a countdown on his thing, they trace his I'm not asking you what the plot was, was. (laughs) I'm saying what the story was. Well, it was a pretty big story, the fact that Clara ends up copping at the end. But that was it. That was the entire story. So in a way, I mean, if this is her last, and I presume it must be then, um, obviously, because I haven't seen anything about next week or the week after of her coming back miraculously. So um, assuming this is nobody's this seen is anything it. about her coming back. Okay, mm. so assuming this is it <clears> for <throat> her, this to me wasn't her greatest hour. I would have thought she was hasn't been for a while though, is it? No, but <clears> if you're going to have a companion die, mm. I just think that they should really be shining throughout the throughout the entire episode, not just do something like sacrifice yourself. By taking well, like Peter Dawson did at the end of yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Just really throwing it up there a little bit more, though, because his performance in that is excellent. Well, they've been doing <clears throat> the surprise, though, was that you know, obviously, well, we could see it coming, but the fact was that she'd she assumed that there'd be a way out of it, and there wasn't, and that was no, the big no. that was the big clangor at the end. Yeah. So that's that's where the drama comes from. I got that. The, the last <clears throat> 10, 15 minutes of that drama it was excellent. I loved it. I well, it apart from the music during the death suit, which was... Oh, the, the, yeah, that was quite th- average, wasn't it? Yeah. I was expecting that to be a little bit mm. more, like, you know, powerful. Like, there was some nice guitar and stuff going on earlier on in the episode, wasn't yeah, there? That was good. It, the, the way they orchestrated the music at the end is probably what you'd expect, but the actual melody <laughs> was something that left something to be desired, to be honest. I mean, you wouldn't expect them to orchestrate it any other way, to be honest. I also thought it was a bit grim actually seeing her die. Her mm. performance was, yeah, but it's it's grim for kids wow. to see yeah. Clara die, mm. literally. But then you have eyes. to. But not only die in pain. I mean, luckily they they dubbed out a scream, but have this black shit coming out of her mouth. Yeah, yeah. Which is like that is demonic. I thought not. we might just see it from the back, and she would just drop. Mm. Yeah, I mean, great for us as adults. Like, hey, but it, it gave really... her the chance to but I just think do a it's performance. A bit, a bit much. Mm. And well, you could see her. her you could see it. Or... What you perhaps would have done is see it go in, and then watch the doctor's reaction, yeah. and then his eyes fall as she mm. does, and then you cut back to her lying on the floor. Yeah, yeah the bit where the think. smoke stuff comes back out. Yeah, was, yeah. But Clara, first fifteen minutes, she was awful, wasn't she? Um. The, uh, it was it almost gave like her. it was almost like the first half of this season. She's been like we all said. She's been a bit backgroundy. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, she has to come to the foreground because this is a final episode or whatever. Um, but by by putting up up front, what they're doing is calling upon her kind of worst traits, her annoying traits, well, no. hanging out the TARDIS and trying yeah. to be doctory. And do uh, no. This is the point I'm making. Is not that they were bringing out her worst traits, but that they were writing it so badly that the actress was left with nothing to get a grip on. It was the 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 choice was obvious because that's what they've been doing this year, making that choice for the character. Instead of seeing Clara and the Doctor the Glory years, mm-hmm. we've seen Clara pushing it too far and the that's Doctor my only concern is that, yeah, as you say, they were giving her all this stuff which essentially she was being slightly irritating. Well, the dialogue as she comes back into the TARDIS in that very first scene, I can't remember what the dialogue was. Oh, yeah, this stuff I've picked up on before where they say about, oh, yeah, oh, that bit where you did this, that bit where you do that, yeah. 
that, that, that stuff grates on me anyway. It does, but they've been doing that <laughs> since the first season of the new Doctor Who, when Jack Harkness and everybody comes into the TARDIS, they're all slapping their hands and going, hey! Yeah, yeah. But it's brilliant because they've then got, um, uh, what's the guy, uh, not Ricky. Mickey. Mickey, thanks. Yeah, Mickey in the TARDIS going, oh, look at you lot. Look at who do you think you are? Because basically he's being the audience who's, yeah. who's finding a bit sickly. But and they're all having adventures that we're not seeing. But with those actors, we still get that now. they were selling that. The actors mm. tonight weren't selling it. Yeah. I thought Capaldi and Coleman looked well out of place at the start of tonight's episode. It's bizarre, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. Mark? Um, I wasn't that bothered about when I heard that Riggsy was going to be coming back, well, I actually thought he was really good. Was oh, you've changed good. the subject. I was well, asking you for your opinion uh, on what we were talking about. Well, I didn't, I, I'm just... <laughs> if you haven't got anything good to say, don't say anything. Well, well, there's your opinion, then. Yeah. I think Capaldi at the end was amazing. I'm <clears throat> the very best thing yeah. in the whole thing was when he turns to her shoulder and yeah. says, the reason yeah, she said fine. that a very wasn't small universe. to save me, it was to save you. Mm. Mm. That yeah. was an excellent piece of acting. Yeah. The acting throughout that last fifteen minutes was fine, but I don't know. I, I think maybe what feels like nothing happened. made it not quite so good was he's channeling Pertwee a little bit. He obviously had the crushed velvet jacket on, and he was rubbing the back of his neck at one point. Yeah, and the front yeah. of his lips. But he was also doing Tom Baker impressions. He's been doing that all season. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's all right. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that last really 15 minutes, moment. the acting was fine, but oh, I don't know, did it push it too far? Because you took 15 minutes learning that Clara was about to die and then dying. Mm. Is that too much or you is know, the it other not? Because it should have been 15 minutes. We had this last week. We've it had didn't this. feel like it earned it. We've had this before mm. where there's no urgency. Someone is about to die and they're standing over their arms crossed. Clara does it, okay? I don't know whether it's the actress or whether she's been told to do it. But when she's got her arms crossed, it's almost like she's crossing it because... You know, I'm, I'm crossing mine now. Um, it, it's almost like, oh, I really want to do something. I want to speed this up, but I'm not allowed to. I've got to stand there and talk. And it's, it, I don't know, just the whole thing. Surely your arms would be waving around going, oh, my God, you're going to die in eight minutes. You're going to die in 22 minutes. Let's let's get, let's get go well, out. Perhaps it's supposed to illustrate character. just how m- removed from... You know, the urgency that they are, they get a very sort of uh, full of themselves that they're gonna, they know they're gonna solve it. And maybe the doctor's face when she said, yeah. You'll change it, and mm. he just gave the slightest shake of his head. Capaldi's yeah. wonderful, there's mm, no two yeah, ways about yeah. it. But that scene did go on for so long. Well, there's a disbelief in sure. the situation, though, that they're actually yeah. at this point. I mean, mm. they're, not, they're not gonna behave, they're not gonna panic because they've been in these. Intense situations before, but mm. at the same time, there's a certain disbelief. It's like, well, sh- surely you are going to fix it. Aren't you? Well, no, we we did have a little bit of, of of running about when they were doing the map thing, but when they actually finally got to the place where we know what was going on, there's a raven about to take out somebody in a few minutes. Oh, it, it all get, stopped dead, didn't it? It all stopped dead. The pace stopped. The whole thing just. It's just I had this last week. It felt like the pace was too slow in places. It's like, hang on, you're being chased by Mr. Mucus here. You need to be running away or doing something else or being a bit more urgent in the acting or anything. I don't know. Even when he turned on his Macbeth last week, it was like he was rehearsing in his dressing room before going out onto the <laughs> stage instead of actually quoting, like, you're all going to bloody die. That's what, you know, it's terror, terror, terror. Mm. 
Saigon's mm. was fine. That had a real good pace to it. There was a real effort in his speeches. And, mm. and tonight, I just it started out quite well with its pacing. Going back to the Clara thing, I think the the, the trouble and almost like a rod that made for their own backs is they for quite a while they've done this thing about. Um, you know, Clara is, is getting too big for her boots and, you know, it's nice that little line he said about, you know, he's bit, this has been an ongoing problem. Um, <laughs> and not like we've not heard about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know, but it builds her up to this point where, yeah, she has got this arrogance about it, isn't mm. that, this overconfidence, and then but she falls so far. So there's a long way for the audience to come back. Mm. To, there's a, to there's kind a bit of a parallel with Rose at the end where they get quite complacent, well, don't they? Yeah. Well, that's it. This seri- series has been the second series of Rose with mm. David Tennant, mm, where yeah. they get too big for the boots, and yeah. that's what's been going on here. And the thing is, it wasn't subtle there. And, okay, there's a dichotomy going on Mm. between, uh, going back to what I was saying about show and tell, you need to see Clara being too big for her boots. You don't necessarily need to hear about it. That's true. But we were hearing about it all the time. And we weren't always seeing it. Mm. What we were doing instead was having them run into the TARDIS and say, oh, I'm getting too big for my boots, aren't I? Yes, you are. You're getting too big for your boots. This week, we had one example of it. <laughs> yeah, you're right, yeah. This week, we had one example yeah. where she takes on the chronologue yeah. because she thinks that she's immune from death. Yeah. yeah. And that's her getting too big for her boots, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's like an isolated incident. It's not something... It's like when they said about Clara in deep breath... You're this control freak. And people said, no, she's not. We've not seen that. And I'm thinking, yes, we have. Because every week she makes the doctor take her home at the end and pick her up at the start Mm. of the next one. I'm thinking, we have seen that. But here, when she takes on the chronologue, it feels like an isolated incident. Because we haven't been seeing that all through Mm. the series. We've kind of just been seeing her pushed into Mm. regular companion situations that have felt a bit forced. Yeah, I I get that. I do, thinking more about it, I, I can see... That she would do that. And oh, she, yes. Yeah, I'd agree her, that she would think, do that. I think her explanation was good. It is an isolated incident. But the way yeah. that it was done was okay because I, I was convinced by her. Oh, yeah, no. When she said it to mm. Rigsby. Rigsby? Rigsby? Rigsby. Rigsby. <laughs> the way it's done, it was done very well. But from a from an authorial perspective, yeah. it was an isolated incident rather than being something that they'd actually built to in what you'd seen on screen rather than just telling us about in all those scenes we've had all year where the Doctor's telling her, don't get too big for your boots. And I just, you know, the rest, of, a lot of the rest of the series has been great. There's been some bits I've not liked so much, but, you know, this has been one of those series of Doctor Who where last year they tried something different mm. and I thought it worked wonderfully well from a, a, a drama perspective, mm. maybe not from a Doctor Who fan perspective, but from a drama perspective, what they did last year with Clara and Danny Pink and the new Doctor just evolving it through that. They refreshed it. Mm. And this year, they've gone back to do something that has been done before. Mm. And I've said this about Stephen Moffat many times. He'll take something that Russell T. Davis chickened out of and he'll do it for real. Like when he had Amy Pond snog the Doctor at the end of the Angel two-parter in Series 5. Every year, Russell T. Davis had the Doctor and a companion snogging. And he always came up with some ridiculous sci-fi excuse that it wasn't a real snog. And Stephen Moffat said, I'm not going to chicken out 
and he had them snog for real. Yeah, but do you know which one I prefer? The Russell T Davis one. Yeah, I did actually. This year <laughs> they've gone back to series two and had the Doctor and Clara, or in this case, more specifically, Clara getting too big for their boots, and Russell T. Davis promised that Rose would die at the end of that series, Mm. and she didn't. She just went off to an alternative universe. This year, Stephen Moffat says, well, people accuse me all the time of never killing anybody off, even though I killed off Danny Pink last year. Mm -hmm. So this year, I'm going to do that storyline, and I'm going to do it for real, and I'm going to kill Clara. And he's kind of done that, but because we've seen it before... Mm. It's just felt like every time he's had to force that in, it's kind of he's well, we know she's not completely that dead in. anyway because there's like shades of her throughout all of the Doctor's incarnations. You know? yeah. the, the point I was trying to make with the Clara thing though is that if you imagine that where she's being arrogant and everything, it's like she's being dangled on a piece of rope off the side of this cliff, and you're never sure whether she's going to quite. They're going to keep. They keep giving her more rope, more rope, more rope. And they've taken it so far that they had to really kind of suddenly grab the rope really quickly to try and pull her back up again. So we cared whether she, yeah, she died or not. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's well, why we, we had saying. fifteen minutes at the end to make yeah. me care. Because yeah. cause I think the character has been so far up and down the series that all the a lot of people didn't like Clara in series seven, and the series seven stories weren't. As good as they perhaps might have been, mm. I thought they were all. I thought they were all acceptable stories, but I don't think any of them shone like they could have done. No. no. Whereas last year, I thought they were good. Uh, last year, I thought the character and the story shone, and this year, once again, it's not been living up to that. I don't think. And yeah, that fifteen minutes there felt like got to make you care about Clara. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it, that should have come out of. Mm. the sort of emotional bond between the character and the audience. But I think another problem I had, I think it's just me, is... I thought you enjoyed this, Mark. I thought it was me and Lee against you no, and no. Simon. No, I did, I did enjoy it. <laughs> no. um, I really want to like Maisie Williams because I like her in Game of Thrones, but I just I don't buy that character. Oh, it just doesn't... I can't bear the swaggering and the head wobbling. No. And oh, the and it's just bobbling about on her boots. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I thought she was really good in the Viking one. Yeah. Not so good yeah. in the. I thought in the. Um, the one High Women one. Yeah. I thought she was really good in some scenes and awful in others. Mm. And then in tonight's, I thought she was really good in about two scenes and awful through the rest of it. Mm. Towards the end, she was really good. When uh, when she had some emotion to play on, yeah, she yeah, was yeah. really good. But the yeah. first half. Is, is that an a hour. directorial thing, or do you think that's a, the actress not really getting what's on the page and delivering? No, I don't. I think she got what was on the page. I think she's been miscast, if I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah. She's. Yeah, there's some, I think there's... it's a new equivalent of stunt casting, really, isn't it? Like I, back in the 80s. I'm not her. so sure it's that. She's had to play basically three different roles. Mm. And I think she was very suited to the first one. Yeah. And that's probably, on balance, the thing that she was most cast for. Mm. Under the assumption that she'd be able to cope with the others. And it sounds terrible to say it. Because, <coughs> you know, it sounds like a slight on the person. And it's not really a slight on the person, but I mean, people have X abilities and don't have. No, like I, said, I really like her in Game of Thrones. I think she's really good in that. But I just yeah, and I, I think she was really good in the Viking yeah. one. Yeah, and well, certainly that was the the better of the three. She just wasn't right for this. Mm. It's a shame. It could it's be shame. down to age. 
experience. Yeah, possibly. She's like eighteen or something. As I say, when she was given a motion to play on and she could something to get a handle on, get her teeth into, I thought she was really good. Mm. Yeah, when she's supposed to be playing a cold, detached, seven hundred year old woman. Yeah, yeah, you can't really go method on that, can you? No, and the the aloofness (laughs) turned into woodenness. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you could see what she was going for, Mm. but it's just that. It didn't feel like there was a conviction in it. No, especially mm. the line, I'm really sorry, Doctor. Honestly, truly believe me, I'm really sorry, Doctor. Truly believe me, I'm really sorry, Doctor. And I, I thought, don't say it again. And when he whirled around and had a go at a bit, you know, in that kind of mm. growly voice, I thought, mm. yes. Yeah. But what he should have done was turn and go, shut up. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> well, we'd already had the shut up line, didn't we? Did. Yeah, shut mm. up, shut up. Mm. The raven was good, wasn't it? I like the radio. Yeah. The whole kind of conceit of the of the, of the I was going to say the black dust again. It's not black dust, is it? Whatever Call it, it the black dust. Whatever. Smoke. The black dust. The smoke. Yeah, yeah. The killer smoke. Um, Shade was kind of done uh, in. I think the curse of the black spot had a similar thing because the black spot curses you, doesn't it? Mm. And you can take that curse upon yourself. I can't remember if they did in that episode or not. Where they somebody sort of passed it on. Passed it on. I don't think so. No, no, no. I don't think so. Because no, no. it's an injury. They were given the black spot when they had an injury. Right, yeah. But the, I think the original myth is that you can pass it on. So this is like the black spot again. The Pirate Loop is a book, Dot Two book. Yeah. And that had it in it. Simon Cowell. Yeah. yeah. It's really good, actually, and quite funny. And what they had instead of maybe just the black spot on you dying, they had this very comedic killer turn up and go, oh, I'm going to kill you now, which I thought was really funny. That could have done with this, actually. <laughs> Just something odd, like mm. one of the creatures turning up and being the killer. Mm. Well, Doctor Who works really nice. And it's always been my favourite kind of Doctor Who when it's got odd things in it. And yet here, instead of having odd things, you just had disjointed things. It felt like that to me. I'm not saying, by the way, that I did not enjoy this episode. Mm. Mm. But to me, it was very ordinary. You know, it, ordinary it... Doctor Who, I think, is entertaining television... But Doctor Who has the ability to transport you somewhere else. And I think prior to the last 15 minutes, didn't happen. Hidden World's a really hard thing to come across on TV and film. Hellboy did it with their kind of fairyland yeah. um, type of marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, we get it with Neverwhere and um, you know the Diagon Alley thing again. And with Neverwhere, the book, if you've read the book, it's actually really good. You can mm-hmm. really envisage, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this is going to be great. You watch a TV programme... To be honest, cheap. It's rubbish, right? It's cheap and rubbish. I just didn't get on with it at all because it's time, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, but this is only a short leap up. I think it was more convincing. the 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 great thing about this is that the actual people in the streets were really good. Mm. The characters, Mm. the people, the old man, everything about. I I believe that it was great, but the street itself just felt like it was a bit plasticky. Well, I couldn't get past that. It's like it was. Going down to Cornwall at um, what's that the place thing called? About Flambards. Flambards <laughs> with a Victorian street. The thing about the street was, it was this ancient street that had somehow been lost. So it has all these sort of pre-Victorian lampposts, mm. Victorian lampposts, whatever, Gassing. and cobbles and all this kind of stuff. So you're supposed to believe that this street has been living untouched like this for 150 years or something. Mm-hmm. 
And she says she's been there since Waterloo Station was built. Yeah. Mm. And she says she's been presiding over this alien refuge for 90 years, was it, she said? I forget now. I think she said something like 90 years, 100 years. Mm. And they've electrified the cobbles so that when strangers walk in, they can stick them on the spot, right? And we see the, uh, mm. you know, Michael Jackson effect running through the cobbles. <laughs> <clears throat> If all these aliens, with all this technology to electrify the cobbles, mm. have been living there for 90 years, why haven't they modernised the street? Why haven't they made this space for these refugees something because it's a bit the, more... Because I believe it's because the Diagon Alley thing. She wanted to do that. Mm. Or somebody yeah, wanted yeah. to do I mean, that. Let's, let's face and, it. And it she wanted to do something out of Harry Potter. Maybe, maybe, and it's, it's a case of selling it to the... You know, it's not the first time they've grabbed something literally off another, mm. off and another and film or something. Nice yeah, but no, you're not listening. getting my point. He's not listening, is he? Yeah, I am. <laughs> no, my point is... Yeah. Yes, the production have said, wouldn't it be nice to do this like it is in Harry Potter? Yeah. But if you're going to do it like it is in Harry Potter, you have to convince the audience by giving them a reason that they're... That it is like that. Well, I think the reason is, and it probably didn't get transferred across, is the fact that they sort of made out that she they'd lost contact with her around the 1800s. So I guess the idea is that she established this mm. thing around that time and it hadn't changed within that time. Yes, we heard usually. all that. Yeah. But well, then, the point. But no, but the point is it has changed because they've electrified the cobbles. If you're going to electrify the cobbles, wouldn't you take the cobbles out and put a new floor? It's a cosmetic thing. Exactly, Simon. Yes. It's a cosmetic thing. Yeah. But there's there's no explanation within the drama for why that cosmetic thing would hold. Therefore, it becomes a surface thing Mm. that, again, is just another one on the list of things that doesn't add up, Mm. that just adds to the general sense of dissatisfaction mm. with the episode as a whole piece rather than just strikes me as, as a collection of ideas. Strikes oh, me as quirky. And That's... they were supposed to be retconned once they, once they leave. It's like a natural thing, I presume. <coughs> so we, we <coughs> saw... The... Have you used that term before? In Torchwood. For memory wipe. In Torchwood. Yeah, in, they used it in Torchwood, yeah. Torchwood. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I thought, oh, this may be linked yeah. to Torchwood in some way. Um, but Rigby, Rigsby, Rigsy, Rigsy. <laughs> call it Banksy. It's easier. <laughs> what wasn't it? Local, I'm never going to remember that. Local information. Um, uh, what was his name? Local Miss Jones. Was it local? What did he call him? Local. Local, local knowledge. Local, local knowledge. knowledge. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's so good. Anyway, Mr. Local Knowledge. At the at the end, you showed me the little trailer thing, or well, not the trailer thing, but a little bit at the end. The coder at the end. Wasn't yeah, it? and he's painted the Tardis, and he's you know really sad, as you remember. Well, they didn't say it was an automated process. Okay. I don't think. No. Alright. So he's going to remember that. So he knows that that alley's there. I thought the whole point was to try and keep it secret. Well, yeah, but I think he's an exception. Given the circumstances about, of what's just happened. He knows about the doctor as well, doesn't he? He knows about there's other things going on, doesn't he? He knows about the, what are they called, the ones from um, Flatlines. <laughs> The incomprehensible name that Mr. Capaldi the says. The Wobblies, or whatever they're called. Yeah. Boneless. The Boneless. 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 Yeah. <laughs> KFC. <laughs> Sponsored by. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm gonna, I, I think I might enjoy it a second time then. But yeah, I, I, it does I do, leave another actually. year and I think. And it feels Christmassy as well. I mean, that, that could have been, had snow running through it. and It was almost like a, a nice little... 
nod to when we first see Clara in the snowmen and things like that as well. It, what it did nicely was that it mixed past and present and future in a way that a lot of Stephen Moffat episodes do, but it felt kind of forced on it instead of, you know, some of Girl in the Fireplace is the best example, and that's where it started, where you've got a spaceship that's got yeah. a 18th century mm-hmm. French palace inside it. Mm. And you've got this wonderful juxtaposition between the futuristic and, you know, the historic. And this, you know, a lot of Stephen Moffat's stories since then have done that, have juxtaposed futuristic things with historic things. And this felt like that's what they were going for. Aliens living in this Victorian period street hidden away in modern day London. Mm. But... You know, I know without... what you mean. It's like the little the tendrils haven't met up somewhere. Yeah. There's all these lovely ideas. I can see the thought processes. Girl in the Fireplace did it so brilliantly. Like a time capsule in the middle of London where this little portion of London where time <clears> stood <throat> still. So that's that's the ideas, I think. Plus, they obviously want to use this idea of the raven being the sign of death. So that fits in nicely as well with that Victorian thing. You can't have a raven sort of standing around. They didn't overplay it, no. given what I said last week. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So that was kind of a... So it, I'm assuming that you know they at least had that partly in their heads. Yeah, and I'm presuming it's for cost reasons only that we didn't get to see the monsters, all the different monsters hanging about like a nude. Well, I was going to say, how complacent have we got? How, how long ago would it have been where we've gone, oh my God, there was a Santorin and a Cyberman and a nude all in the same place? Uh, but, we've well, become that, quite that complacent, would, haven't we? That was from the Dimensions in Time reboot, wasn't it? Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> Pandorica Opens. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally yes. Killed it. Things like Pandorica Opens have done We've it. had that this series, haven't we? When they, um, <clears throat> Colony Sarth is searching for the Doctor, he goes to the oh, bar and they're all. Mm. It's a Star Wars cantina thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. But, you know. When you look at it in the world of Doctor Who, in the in the kind of literature of Doctor Who, the way that it's, we we're so used to it. Okay, the language of Who, if they're all going to be there, in an alleyway, Jadoon and Sontarans and whatever, that they are going to be punching each other's lights out, aren't they? That was well, the point, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. But yeah, it no, still but didn't make... then you had the scene. Where And it's like, we need to see the raven in action so we know exactly mm. what's coming up mm-hmm. ahead. So we get the scene where this guy is trying to take the chronologue off mm. his wife so that he can save her and she refuses to let him save her. And the reason he she's been given this chronologue, or he's been given this whatever, is because... No, it was her. She wanted to take, to take it. it. Yeah, and sorry, wrong way around. It's because he stole medical supplies for her, mm. and then we find out they're Cybermen. That didn't make sense. It didn't make sense that they were having they were a married it. relationship, <laughs> an emotional response to. Do you remember Cyberwoman from Talk? I didn't know. I didn't know. And whether... it doesn't make sense that he's trying to steal medical that supplies was where as opposed to. Yeah. <laughs> Electronic supplies. <laughs> that was one of those where I didn't know where I had heard it properly. I didn't know whether she was making a separate point or whether she was That's literally saying. So what you're saying, it would have worked uh, if, were they if he'd broken into Tandy's and nicked some. Yes, <laughs> that would have made more sense. Yeah. Or are yeah. we supposed to take it that he's a Cyberman and she's a half or something? Mm. In which case, how does their relationship work? Because we only see them as humans. They don't see each other as humans. That's my point. That throwaway line spoils things because it, it it's not mm. thought out properly mm. as a, as writers well, there's a few writers in this room i've got to say if i was thinking about that 
I would definitely not make him a Cyberman because I'd be already thinking. No, you'd make him something. I'd make him but something. it wouldn't be a Cyberman. A couple of halves then, or you know, even a Sontaran, for goodness sake, because it's organic. But you just think, why is why a Cyberman? Why make that choice in the writing? It's it bizarre. Because it's such not the thing you expected. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but how, it's supposed to get, make your kids in the audience go, oh, he's a Cyberman. Yeah, but, but you could still do that with something else. How mm. wonderful would it have been as he's running away, his his facade drops, and you see the Cyberman running mm. and being taken out by the shake. That would have been great. Why well, mm. they've got the costumes, Mister Trick, Mister Trick. I tell you the other thing. I'm not going to talk myself out of it because I actually quite enjoyed this. But um, <laughs> I felt that the fact that you've got all these aliens hiding themselves in London, it kind of undermines the Zygon thing we've just experienced. Well, they even referenced it, yeah. Yeah, that that you've got this alien species living amongst us. Oh, hang on. The thing is, the Zygons can disguise themselves as humans, whereas the reason these are all disguised as humans is only because we see them as humans because of the lookworms or whatever Mm. they're called. Mm -hmm. So that works. But, like you say, even though you've got a baffle-gab explanation for why Mm. these have to stay hidden whereas Zygons can walk among us, it's still a bit of an odd dichotomy between writing a story about aliens that walk among us and then just two episodes yeah. later writing a story about aliens that can't. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, those ideas would have been great if they'd have been a series apart, but sticking them almost right next to each other in the same series is seriously asking your audience to make leaps of the imagination that aren't there to be made. Simon, you are allowed to like something without liking every single part of it. Thank you very much. That's quite right. It's going to be interesting when we score this book. I thought that was called marriage. (laughs) Only if you're a Cyberman. (laughs) Well, sorry, only if you're a Cyberman. (laughs) Yeah, or an Orton. Dear, oh dear. Uh, what else? Is there anything else that we? Because I mean, we always do this. We talk about general stuff, and we skip specific stuff, and then I everybody really like, else talks about I, the specific you said stuff. About the soundtrack at the end. I thought the I thought the um, yeah. the the soundtrack at the start was great. Yeah, I think um, yeah, yeah. the twelfth Doctor theme is really coming into the fore now. Whereas last season, I didn't really notice it at all. People were talking about the twelfth Doctor theme. I was like, well, I don't really know what that is. I still now, don't. I've got to be honest. Well, I well maybe I've. Got no, the wrong end of the stick, but um, there's two parts. There's a little twinkly bear at the beginning, and then there's a bit of a chugger chugger kind of hmm. thing going on. But it's not the bib 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 bib. It's not. Well, no, because he's a different melody. character, isn't he? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, same character, different actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I disagree. Different character. Oh right, webs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been over this before. If every cell in your body dies and is replaced by a new one, you yeah, are yeah, a different person. I know we, we, we briefly <laughs> said about Riggs's, uh, oh, I've got the name right, uh, Riggs's performance being very good, but I, yeah, I, he yeah, did he one of the best appearing in the uh, TARDIS and looking completely freaked out by the whole thing that <laughs> oh. I think there's ever been, actually. I thought it was yeah. very, very good. Very funny as he well. He was much better this week than he Absolutely, was yeah. last time. Yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. I thought he was all right last time. I know. I, I thought he was fine last time, but th- this time, man, it was like, man, this guy needs to be a companion. He's just great. I wanted mm. to hang on. Well, I don't think it's that good. <laughs> no, well, no, for a bit, because it would have been quite nice for him to have followed the Doctor into the next couple of episodes somehow. Yeah. That would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, no doubt he's got well, it would have been very interesting considering what the next two episodes are <laughs> well I don't it's all been given away did we like the little bit at the end 
what the You're code talking about the code, code yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it depressed the crap out of me. I don't you know, but then again, I, I don't know what's coming. So, but there's a lot of back. stuff this year that's been mirroring things that have happened in real life, and this whole thing yes. about pictures and flowers yes. is something that over the last two or three years yes. is becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So this is, you know, it's like you say, it's the you know the immigrant thing, the refugee thing. People are dying left, right, and Chelsea. So it's like, it, you know, this is obviously very much in the forefront of people's minds it's a very human thing to have done to the target. I thought it was beautiful actually. It's mm. really lovely. Mm. Great scene. Mm. I think it should be there. It's really good. Mm. But the it was just very, I was just very depressed by it. <laughs> <laughs> On the subject of what's gonna happen for the next two weeks. Yeah. Then because Mark, you brought this up before we started recording and I said save it for the podcast. And what we were basically saying was has my prediction for what's oh, gonna yeah. happen changed because of tonight's episode? Mm. And my prediction was that he would spend next week in the Matrix or some kind of Matrix yeah. space. Yeah, there was a mention of him going, having to go into hell right at the start of the series, mm. wasn't there? Well, and also he says it in this episode. He mentions hell. Or is that what's going on next week? And because it does say about it, does. he very briefly says about it, almost being like a well, it gives him from impression of being like a private hell of some kind. Mm. Well, I think you should both put your fingers in your ears as well, actually. Mm, I'm not kidding. All right. So, okay, la, I'm talking la, to myself la, for this la, bit. La, 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 la. <laughs> They're all laughing. <laughs> but my prediction was that he'd spend oh, next week in the Matrix in the now. <laughs> looking for the dead Clara so that at the end of the series oh, he could reunite her mm, with the dead Danny. Mm, but given where we know episode 12 is going to end up, I think I was maybe right about it being something like a Matrix space next week. I got three guys with their fingers and prayers here. If only because of the cliffhanger at the end of next week's episode would suggest that that's where he comes out of the other side at. Okay, fingers out of ears. Uh, anybody's walking past your window yeah. at that point. I don't think that really worked because I had to hurry my way through that and miss out a yeah. lot of stuff that I wanted to say yeah. because it was getting yeah. too ridiculous. Yeah. But... Fact, it's amazing how your brain starts to overcome it, isn't it, after a period of time? It starts picking up. It starts up. bleeding through. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I'd start start doing, like a, your doing a Jessica Jones and start. Do you three want to go the... through to the kitchen and make a cup of tea while I just talk to the microphone for five minutes? Oh, yeah. Fine, yeah. No difference there, though. No, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, if only this was a video podcast. Ah. <laughs> this is the, the, so if, any, if anybody listening <laughs> doesn't know why, is because the spoiler that came through mm. the BBC and that the Radio Times retweeted a trailer about this week, about the cliffhanger at the end of episode 11 and about episode 12. None of these three guys know, and obviously mm. I'm the only one who does. So I'm trying to uh, Not recalculate it. my prediction... Mm. Based on Does that. Does the general public know this? Most of them well, do. Yeah. Yeah, it Might want to put spoilers on... It's the biggest spoiler to come out of the BBC since Jeremy Clarkson left. <laughs> I don't think you really now? need to, because <laughs> basically all I've done is confirm what I predicted ten weeks ago before mm. I had any spoilers. Mm. Most of what I said back then well, the, seems the to be... Well, the episode titles kind of lend to your prediction, don't they? Well, yeah... I don't know if I, I can't remember if I made the prediction before I had the episode titles and the episode mm. titles just confirmed it. I think I did because I made the prediction in that episode with you mm. about a month before we had the episode titles. Mm. And basically, it's still the same prediction now, I think. Well, it's, uh, it's, there's a slight recalculation on it. And my Lee fingers. 
And my prediction about Clara and Danny ending up in some kind of Matrix data space at the end mm. together. I don't know. I can still see that happening, but I think that's just a touch less likely after this week. It's all down to whether he can retrieve the soul, isn't it? They do say it's a soul. It's about whether he can retrieve her, which Mm. is obviously what next week's episode is going to be about. But The funny thing about next week's episode is that, ostensibly, he's been transported somewhere by a shielder, and you would expect him to be met by the people he's been transported to at the start of next week's episode. But next week's episode... Looks like 55 minutes of running around mm. and they won't turn up until the end of next week's episode. So you've got 55 minutes of dead space, really. Mm. Is, is it as obvious as it being Missy who's hired a shielder to do that? Well, she says they mm. rather than she. So, Well, I can't talk about this because I know, don't mm. I? Oh, okay. Well, I've got an idea, but I don't want to spoil it because I might come out with something and it might... Right. Well, I've just talked about it five minutes ago well, while you three had your fingers in your ears. Pardon? But then again, if you come out with it and I say, well, yes, that's going to yeah, well, mean that you put your fingers in your ears for nothing. Well. All right, Lee, come on then. Let's. Uh, are we going to. Anything else or we score it? Well, you know, just your theory, rightly, I'm not going to say anything spoilery. Uh, your theory. Particularly because River Song is going to be in the. Did you know River Song is going to be in the Christmas episode? I do now, yeah. You knew that. You like that's kid. all over the place. Yeah, come on, Lee. Really, you didn't know that? Jesus, Lee. What's We've that? known for a long time. We lived on a different planet, but we didn't know it was in a different solar <laughs> system. How can she be? It lives oh, on a trap street. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the. <laughs> The reason Stephen Moffat's given, or not the reason, but kind of the Rivers backstory behind the episode. Street, <laughs> the, the backstory Stephen Moffat's given behind the episode works quite nicely. Okay. How mm. well. Mm. But apparently the episode's I'm escaped sorry, in script form again. Or well, not script, but praisey form. Somebody's had the treatment. You would have seen promo pictures before the episode anyway. So. I definitely yeah. would have loved yeah. the Christmas one. Yeah. Well, it should probably be in the end of the episode <clears throat> in two weeks' time. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Which Probably. would which would go into your theory, but um, yeah, the the treatment apparently has escaped and people have shared it, and fandom's not happy. When is it ever? Yes, <laughs> <It's> tired. <laughs> I'm beyond tired. Uh, well, I could tell if you want to put your fingers in your ears, if you don't want to hear this. <laughs> but I tell you what, I've heard about it yeah if you like yeah, yeah. I'm not is that it's an actual romantic comedy oh, as opposed to just yeah. a oh for god's sake is it all the bitter single people getting <laughs> funny about that funny enough we've got an email am here I making from... a joke <laughs> 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 I've seen who signed it yes. are we going to score the episode or are we reading that first uh, no 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 yeah. let's score the episode yeah. go on get out of the way because you're all going to annoy me anyway I don't know. Well, I don't know what order to do this then, because I don't want us to... So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll get a pen out and we'll all write our scores down so that we don't influence each other as we score it around the table. I'm going around clockwise from the left. Simon. Oh, don't start with me. Why? Because it's going to be downhill. Yeah, it will be, but it's got to end on me. Okay. Because I'm (laughs) such a big-headed bastard. (laughs) I'll give you my score first, if you like. Just start with me. I'm going to score it a seven because I thought the first half an hour was a six and the last 15 minutes was an eight. Okay, that's quite that's far better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. In fact, maybe the first 30 minutes was a six and the last 15 was a nine. And so actually that's where you get the average of seven because it was 30 minutes and 15. 
I just thought it was a seven. All right, this has gone anti-clockwise now. This is not how I do it. We want to finish on a high. <laughs> okay. No pressure, Simon, but if you don't give it a 10, we're going to be good. Okay, way, we've got two sevens, Lee. Yeah. If we go the wrong way, um, Lee's going to give it a devil. Um, it's going to be a seven for me. Mm. I'm in agreement, at, uh, not quite a nine, but I think an eight for that last bit. Mm. So. Oh, so you thought it was an improvement last week, then? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, the first half an hour was about on a level with last week's, and the last 15 minutes elevated it. Mm. So, yes, it was an improvement. Mm. And I, like I say, I don't think either of those two, the half hour this week or the whole 45 last week, was bad. Mm. just wasn't yeah. as good. Mm. Mm. We've been spoiled somewhat by the early stories being so good. Yeah, especially the one I rated a six. <laughs> 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 Go on then, Simon. That's got to be an eight for me. See, there's only one overall week. I know, but I was expecting you to be far. I, I thought you I really thought, liked well, it. Well, you were being so yeah, negative. I thought on, you were going to be a six. I did really like it, but you know what? I like I like my eight out of tens. They're the little <laughs> gems. <laughs> They're the best ones. Little odd. The little flawed. I really loved this episode, right? But I loved it in an eight out of a ten kind of a way. Well it's, not like, well, it's not like it was what perfect, but it had a few flaws. It wasn't yeah. perfect by any means, yeah. but I, I really liked it. And mm. I like it. Had electric flaws. Hey, very good. Careful before we get copyright. <laughs> well, like our the, theme tunes by the estate for us. No, no, yeah, but I'd rather not upset the estate of a certain. I mentioned him earlier musician. in there. Hmm. Anyway, yes, eight out of ten. I I really liked it, and I thought it was quirky and odd, and I liked the ideas that were there, and they all stitched together in my head. But then maybe I made some maybe I made some unconscious links that weren't there, like you say. It's quite a comic book. Maybe that's why you latched onto it. Maybe so. Maybe so. There were things I didn't like, Mm. but. Do you know what? It was, it was great. And actually, the bit at the end, which you're saying was so brilliant, I thought was overly long. I thought the speech with, between Clara and the Doctor went on a section too far. Mm. It had to be. Though, I thought it? Clara's outfit I understand was why delightful. Was yes. Everybody thought Clara's outfit was delightful. <clears throat> oh. I'll tell you what wasn't delightful that this was week. Not. That was great in The Woman Who Lived. The characterisation of a shilder. Yes. In The Woman Who Lived, mm. we had somebody who actually went to town on really making something three-dimensional out of that character. And then this week, we just had a... Oh, you didn't agree? Sure, I agree with that. There you go. Uh, you've been talking on too many other podcasts where their influence has been <laughs> uh, weighing yeah. heavy yeah. on your head. Yeah, I don't have a mind of my own, do I? Can I talk about last week's? <laughs> Were you not here last week? Sorry? Were you not here last week? <laughs> yes, I was, but I'd just like to say... <laughs> I wasn't. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> no, but why is he asked if you can talk about it? <laughs> hard work, isn't it? No, I just wanted to say that I'd had a second viewing and have yeah, that's okay. that's reassessed good. it. Oh I see. Yeah. Reassessed in as much as I, I understand what was trying to go on. It does, mm. it completely ties in with your review of it, which is absolutely spot on. I know, I know, but but I've spent most of the week explaining it to people. So that's where it's mm. two flaws is that one is that it was confusing. And it was supposed to be confusing, but it did take two or three... I didn't find it confusing at all. A lot of people were confused by it. I didn't, I didn't yeah. get confused by it. I, I just kind of didn't get the point of it. The first time I watched it, I was left really nonplussed. Just, I think it's more my problem than the actual story, because we watched it relatively late on. Um, we just got my son to bed, and we had to have the volume down quite low, because we didn't want to wake him up. 
and mm. then the subtitles on and I don't think that was the best way to really definitely not take that episode in no. so I watched it again today knowing we were probably going to be talking about it again and I yeah like I said before I don't think it's the worst New Who episode by a long way <laughs> um, but neither is it the best I think it was go on then name something that's worse Fear Her apart from the obvious I quite like that. Um, no the woman who lived. I think I prefer it to the woman who lived. What was the issue with the woman who lived then? Uh, okay, so I mentioned before I wasn't convinced by Maisie Williams. Um, I thought she was pretty good in the, the Viking episode. I just didn't buy that character at all. I just thought... And the way it span round as well, where she was just a... I can see the logic why she would become sort of so distant from humanity but having this kind of thing thrust upon her but it's just the way it all kind of turned right at the very end where she suddenly goes oh actually yeah I do care because yeah. um, I just killed this guy what you're that missing is that because she's lived I don't know how many hundred years yeah. it is at that point mm-hmm. 600 years yeah. she sees people die around her no I'm not no, missing no, no, no. Let me let me finish my point mm, if you live for 600 years you see people die around you. Mm-hmm. You see lots of people die around you. Mm. But every time somebody dies, that is a single individual death. And so you become immune to single individual deaths. And therefore it becomes very easy to sacrifice somebody like the butler, I can't remember his name, yeah. or Sam Swift, the quick. He was irritating though. So it becomes yeah. very easy to sacrifice an individual if you're used to the individuals around you dying. When something comes in and says, right, I'm going to kill the population, Mm. I'm going to kill your species, I'm going to kill everybody, that's what turns it. That's when you say, I've had 600 years of watching individuals die, but of living on this planet as a member of this species. And because I've done that for 600 years, instead of average life expectancy at the time, 40, Mm. I have got, what is this, 12 times as much empathy with the species than I would have. So when that changes at the end, and it's no longer an individual, but the species Mm. that's going to get wiped out, Mm. that's what changes your mind. Mm. And that is what 600 years would do to you. It would give you a lack of empathy with people. Yeah. But it will give you a greater identity with the species. But it's a shame that that wasn't written into the episode because that explains that. No, it was. Line. I thought it was there. It was all there in the dialogue and the characterisation mm. because all throughout that episode, individuals mean nothing to her. And we see even her babies dying, and we see that the act of her babies dying and all these other things that are going on as well is what is making her immune to the deaths mm-hmm. of individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that when it, it comes to the end of the... It didn't need a big shake-up. You needed her to have that massive shake-up and go, yeah, I can understand And that. that's what we got. We got that shake-up at the Just end. Just didn't feel convinced. But we've got... The line and then, then you've got the sort of... So she's turned a new leaf. The doctor's made her realise, you know, the value No, the doctor of... hasn't made her realise. Well, all right then. So by the end What's she's realised... is that she spent 600 years living as a teenager mm. with all a teenager's values and all a teenager's lack of values... Mm. And because she's never been forced to grow up, because she can't grow up, because she's stuck permanently yeah. 
as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And what happens at the end is, after 600 years of watching individuals die around her mm-hmm. and having a teenager's attitude to death, especially when you're living for 600 years, yeah. is that you're immune to it. Then you get to the end of it and you get this point where it's thrust upon you that actually it's the species that's in danger. She suddenly grows up in that instant. The reason the Doctor's different to her at the end is not because she's changed from not caring about people to caring about people, Mm. but because she's made the first step out of being a teenager Mm. and into being a human being. At 600 years being a teenager, it took her 300 years to get out of bed. (laughs) But then she's regressed again in this one because she's making deals with whoever to... No, get the doctor and she's one, quite happy to see someone dying. She's doing exactly what she said at the end of The Woman Who Lived. Mm. At the end of The Woman Who Lived, she yeah. said, I'm going to look after all the aliens you leave behind when you, you know, disappear in the TARDIS before mm. mopping up after you've, you know, nixed the last alien invasion. And that's exactly what we get in this episode. All these aliens who've been left behind at the end of failed invasion attempts. Mm. She's doing exactly what she said she'd do. Under Torchwood's radar. Yeah. Can I just just go back to last week's episode? <laughs> Can I just say I, I personally think it was um, probably Mark Gates's uh, most original idea. Oh, didn't, it, really... didn't, it didn't work out, but yeah. there's some interesting stuff going on there. Yeah. It just doesn't quite. The whole thing at the end was, I think, very interesting. The fact that the episode itself was the, the ring. Threat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the ring. Yeah. yeah, it was his most original idea. Uh, well, no, 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 <laughs> no. In as much as Doctor Who's concerned, yeah. I mean, why last week didn't work is perhaps because Mark Gatiss is, is really good at doing old-fashioned horror, mm. but doesn't really understand modern horror. And last week's was trying to be modern horror. Mm. <clears throat> Unless you play Xbox all the time, you know, there's no point in attempting these POV. Shocks. I'm glad they got a genuine Geordie in to play the captain, though. I thought that was... Uh, <coughs> yeah, I thought it was quite good, actually, in mm. the end. It annoyed me to be oh, it was a lovely pet. Mm. <laughs> I, just, I just think in the future, accents... Why I, man? Be different pet. Pet. Mm. Did you say pet? Yes. Yeah. Quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Just in case you didn't notice she was Geordie. Yeah, yeah. We've got um, some correspondence then, Joe. Unless you oh, you're trying to, to move say, on, Mr. Just, just one, oh, no, just one thing before we move on. Mm. The little patch that she had, the little tablet, the immortality mm. tablet she had, mm-hmm. she gave to Swifty. Mm. Yeah, where's he? No, they said at the end of the last episode, they said they didn't know whether that would save mm. him to live a normal, live a normal life, or whether it would make him immortal yeah. as well. Oh, it's a shame. It would have been quite fun him being in the street. No. Shut up, Mark. <laughs> he was good. He was. It would have lined it a bit. Yeah. He could have been. He could have been her assistant. Yeah. But that would have undermined her character in this episode as Maybe. being the one who gives the doctor up. It could have been at the back. Oh, and to go back raven, to that I'm point, raving. The fact that she is looking after all the people that the doctor has left behind mm. makes it a easy for her to give the doctor <laughs> up because she's now spent ninety years or whatever it is looking after the people he's left behind when he just walks away without mm. seemingly caring what happens to them. And B, if she's been doing it for 90 years, caring for people, mm. that's 90 years of caring. One act, or that stops. Because if that whole thing's under threat, if she has one thing to do to keep it going, you'd do it. Mm. She seems happy to risk Rixie's life. I know she says she's going to cancel it or whatever or take it back, but, yeah, seems a bit... 
And we, we saw in the Zygon episode a few weeks back a Maya, a Maya space helmet in the cabinet behind the Doctor as he's mm. making his speech. Yeah. To me, that's been placed there for a reason. Well, what, otherwise, why do it? And well, it contains texture. one of those they magic were, tablets. Yeah, no? but also in that Zygon episode, when we were down in the, I can't remember what the room's the called. The Black Archive. The Black Archive. We also saw bits of lots and lots of other different aliens know, as well. I know, I know, but this particular helmet we, we saw a few weeks beforehand, Save a Girl. You know, it, it, the patch <clears> inside <throat> Save the Girl. It's probably just a case of the art designer put the alien yeah. bits around in certain places and the director, not realising what was in the other episode, chose a certain angle because he liked the way the actor looked in that angle. Maybe. And as a, as the, the doctor, if you're that clever, you'd be going, right, that helmet's got that thing in there. Well, I might pocket a couple of those just in case Clara dies. Well, he wouldn't have oh, saved no, her. No, 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 yeah, he's already decided he wouldn't save her. That's yeah, just, otherwise he'd have given her one earlier. But but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... So whatever you say now, it's not going to... Forget it, mate. <laughs> they, oh, dear. <laughs> They only keep you alive. They don't save you from an unnatural death. They only save you from a natural death. Mm. They keep repairing you, but they can't fix you if you're mm. broken. Can't mend people. No, that's it. They, they, oh, that's... that's um, I, that was um, talked about in The Woman Who Lived, or referenced obliquely, maybe, that she could live forever... As long as she didn't get herself killed. Yeah, fair enough. And so, even if he'd have slapped her... <laughs> even if he'd have slapped yeah, her... Oh, finish oh, well, please, please, forehead please, please. At the end of tonight's even episode. Even if he'd have slapped it on Clara's forehead. It wouldn't have saved her from dying. Okay. Just bounced off. <laughs> Let's hope you're not taken out of context anywhere else in the world. <laughs> Emails. Gentlemen, the secret our society has been trying to hide for years is that nobody watched Magpie. (laughs) (laughs) What were we talking about last week that Magpie came out? I didn't. We did mention it, didn't we? Yeah, we always watched the beginning of it, but we never got through the... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I always watched the credits and never watched it. Yeah, Ah, that was you too. Oh, we were talking about the Magpie, I'm sorry too for joy. Mm. Oh, yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. Um, Doc Hoom, this is, he carries on. The only people who claim to have watched it are C list comics on top 100 shows (laughs) on Channel 4. Desperate desperate to be thought of as working class. Perhaps on the basis that the Blue Peter presenters ironed their jeans and the Magpie presenters didn't. Then they pretend that they watched Magpie because they thought the female presenter was hot. Anyone claiming this should be asked why, if they'd reached the age where they were lusting after the opposite sex, were they still watching kids' TV? Mm. The truth is that everyone only thought that the truth is that everyone only watched Magpie when they briefly changed channels during Blue Peter's more boring segments. So no, yeah, Doc Who, um, yeah, fancying female people in children's programs. Clara. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family show, man. Oh, yeah, sorry. Matt, was there... I, I uh, seem to remember having a thing for Janet Ellis. What, in the Horns of Nymon? <laughs> hey, it writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> the Horns of Simon. There you hey. go. Well, Horn. The Horn that's of Simon. That's a whole new segment. <laughs> the Horns of Simon. Right, list. 
Oh dear. <laughs> My dear. Uh, laminated five. It's got to this point. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Dear Blue Peter Boxer wearing podsters, after listening to your latest podcast, I believe I have learned the true definition of irony, thanks to JR's introduction, in which he stated that for the next 20 minutes we shall be talking about Doctor Who so that you don't have to. The irony, of course, (laughs) being that every other week since you began, the time frame mentioned has been 60 minutes, which you never got anywhere close to. (laughs) And this week, you were within two and a half minutes of nailing it, (laughs) and you changed it. Any road up, regarding Doctor Who, here are a few more thoughts. The conclusion to the Zygon invasion inversion was magnificent. Far too often we get superb stories which don't quite know how to finish, so we get reset buttons or deus ex machina. Actually, it's dei ex machina, which, just a little lesson in Latin for anybody listening. <laughs> I only know this because I've just proofread 800 pages of a book. <laughs> What book's that, J.R.? No, I didn't actually. I had to use it myself somewhere and I looked it up to check. Um, Which doesn't necessarily ruin the whole episode but can take the edge off it slightly. So to get a great story with a proper Doctor Who resolution was so heartwarming. To have the Doctor just talk his way out of the dilemma is just brilliant but to have it done with such a tour de force performance from both Peter and Jenna brings a lump to the throat. And the Doctor's impassioned speech brought a tear to my eye too. I also thought that the way the cliffhanger was dealt with was excellent as well, using Bonnie's connection with Clara in reverse, so when Bonnie regained control and shot the plane down, it was truly shocking. I know many people were outraged because of the unfortunate events of the previous week, but I think the BBC had very little option on this occasion, and personally, I wasn't offended in any way by it. I scored the two-parter 18 out of 20, maintaining the ludicrously high standard of this brilliant season. Sleep. You can tell I've not been very well. Sleep No More gave us the new Dastari and Patrick Troughton clones, genetically modified people, and one of the monsters eating someone. So, the two doctors, basically. (laughs) I really enjoyed it yet again, with the found footage working fine for me and thought it was claustrophobic, dark, literally, are you watching from beyond the grave, JNT, and scary. I found it slightly odd that the ice knot monsters could see well enough to record images in HD, yet couldn't hear a thing. (laughs) Maybe we need the earwax monsters next that can hear every breath but keep bumping into walls. No, they could hear but they couldn't see. Oh, he's got an ass about face. Sorry, being a pedant. That would have been funny then. Yeah. Okay, I would try that last. Speaking of ass about face, people keep on saying ass over tit. Yeah. It's arse over tip. Arse meaning bottom end and tip meaning top end. The expression is arse over tip. No, arse tit. over tit. You're wrong. Nope. But arse over tip. Why would your arse go over yeah. your tit? Well, it would, wouldn't it? I can, <laughs> I can make a comment, Actually, but I'm not. Work, I'm yeah. just gonna. You're how trying you to. You can do it. It wouldn't work. You got to have a tit. How could you get your again. arse over your tit? But you got to have one to begin with. And I think we haven't. We might. Well, we've got moobs. I'm not sure that's the same it's thing. It's arse over tip. It means upside down. Right, that's to you skinny folk. To us, yeah. it's arse over tip. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I agreed with your point that the threat within the video was a little derivative, but the last five minutes of the episode were so well done mm. that I almost didn't notice. I loved the continuing references to Classic Who, with this week's being the Space Pirates. Yay. and the f- Yeah, that was a great light. Like, 
and the fantastic line about the naming of the Silurians. Mm-hmm. I'd give this one a solid eight, I think. I also hear that the Moth is already looking at a sequel, and if he does, may I suggest he calls it The Grain of Morpheus. <laughs> hey! Hey! Oh. Actually, that's very good. <laughs> it's quite good. The foreshadowing of Clara's demise is ramping up to such an extent that I'm beginning to think that we're being bamboozled by Moffy again. I also find myself thinking back to the Doctor's comment at the end of the Zygon Inversion when Clara asked if he thought she had died and he replied that it was the longest month of his life. Wasn't he in 1138 for a month before Missy found him? So could this mean that, fingers and ears, Lee? No, not really, because we've already watched the episode. Oh, <laughs> Rather than us waiting for Clara to potentially die, that perhaps she had already died and the Doctor is trying to change events, thus leading to far greater consequences. Consequences that may only have one way of being resolved, and that involves the Doctor having to call to, for help from the only source he has ever had to go to for help in such drastic times. Could this mean that the Minister for War is actually the Warlord returning? Ooh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> channelled Anthony Ainley there for a second. Right, before the last paragraph, I'm going to address this point, because I have seen so many people predicting on the internet across the last seven days that Clara's been dead all series, and the Doctor's been going back in her timeline to have adventures with her before she died, because he can't let go of her, and tonight was going to be the episode where she found out that she's actually already dead, and that he's been going back to get her from the future. And same exact thing as with the Zygon inversion, where they're going to go back to before the events of Death in Heaven and have a story set before Osgood died? No, because 90% of the people watching Doctor Who aren't watching it closely enough Mm. that to do something as convoluted as that would make any sense for them. Nice idea in a book. Yeah. Nice Mm. idea Mm. in a graphic novel. Something self-contained, yeah. 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 But... And television series that's been watched on a Saturday night by a more or less primetime audience in their ask. millions. You don't do something that convoluted. And you don't bring back characters like the Warlord who only fans know about. But Tiny oh, Wimey... Mr. Meeker's still alive. Tiny Wimey <laughs> is fine if it's in a story like Blink where you get the resolution in the same episode as you get, you know, the mystery in the first place. But to do it across... 10 weeks of television, that would require those entire 10 weeks of television being about that thing so that the audience gets used to it on a week-by-week basis. Like in The Time Traveller's Wife, you, after 30 pages, get used to the hopping about Mm. because that's what you're getting page after page Mm. after page. You don't suddenly introduce the hopping about 10 weeks into the story and say, well, actually, I've been doing this for the last 10 weeks, but I just didn't tell you about it. Anyway, last paragraph of this email. What has Lee been smoking? First, (laughs) he keeps banging on about the chordettes. And then he mentioned harbingers. Has the blue box telepathic circuit developed a malfunction? Who is malfunction? Will JR face the raven? If he does, will he make the news? Will it be called J.R. Raven's News Round? Should I stop now? Yes, please. Catch you earlier, Miles. I think Lee just does it to irritate J.R. That's my take on it. Harbingers. Harbinger. Harbingers. Harbingers. It's not like Lee works you know with what? words. No, no, no. You'll read them. I don't hear them. Yeah, but you get this so often when people read yeah. a word 
and for don't hear it said. For years and years and years and years. And it, it can take 44 years and someone's going to go... The Mask you, of Mandragora. What are you saying? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. No, I still yeah. call it that in my yeah. head. Or people listen to American podcasts and pronounce words in the way they do on that side of the pond. <laughs> when they're actually yeah. on this side of the how pond. does that work? Aluminum. Yeah. How does that work? That's weird. Is it, do they actually spell it differently in America? No. No. You, but there's lots of words where you've got um, the spelling doesn't match up with the... And now I'm desperately trying to think one off the top of my head, but there are. Well, most of our words don't make sense, do they? No. When you look at them written down. But yeah, no, it's, it, it's just I took me. a day trip to Leicester. Finally, dear Blue Boxers, I have been listening to your latest podcast. They have been quite good. Mm, that's debatable. Late. Oh, Masturbatable, did you say? Carry on. Oh, Simon scores. Simon Brett. There's one in your eye. <laughs> I'll slap your forehead if you're not careful. Oh. Dear Blue Boxers, I've been... Uh, lately, we have had the Saigons back in an exciting two-part story where Clara played two parts. I liked both of her and also Oz Clark, who there were also two of, one of which was also Clara. For a while, it looked like there were two of the Bugadier's daughter, but there was actually only one, and neither of her was Clara, which was a shame. Anyway, Clara looked gorgeous in this one, and my hand got very tired, especially after she was playing with her nodules. Then we had an odd story on a spaceship with Reese Weatherspoons who had made a machine which meant people didn't have to go to sleep and instead it rained sleet from their eyes and some very small girls sang Enter Sandman by Metal Mickey. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) Don't encourage him, Lee. No, that was quite funny. I wish he'd do his spelling normally, though, because here's the thing, Sharak. I'm reading this out. The people listening to this podcast can't see your spelling. So spell it normally. It would help me. Anyway, I couldn't pay much attention to it because of Clara's legs and having to go and do something with my hand got tired. Simon liked the bit where Clara was dragged into the pod because he couldn't see it. I would drag Clara into my pod if I could. Then Lee said the doctor and Clara went into the TARDIS and left the ship to go down. I'm back now. I just had to do something. JR was saying that the 10 o'clock news had a funny man on it. I liked it when it was Fiona and Bruce, although I always preferred Fiona, and also before that when she, when, when it was Angela Ripoff. JR talked about an 80s show which had a man whose sex droid had gone wrong, and he said it was like Hungary, like the wolf meets penthouse. Lee asked him if he had a copy, but JR said no. I think I have this. I watch it quite a lot. It has an epidural called Valerie 23 from The Outer Limits, and it is very good. I am thinking about it now, so I will just go and watch it. I am back now, but my hand is very, very tired, so I will say goodnight. Your friend, Sharak Jizz. P.S. I liked it when you were talking about murkers. I liked Tegan's legs in that story. Right, there's your emails done. Shall I talk about the book then? Yes. Yeah, yeah, go on then. Right, let me just do this. Well, we you didn't really that. sell it. Didn't it's sell 800 it. pages long, give or take. How about this? <laughs> Bet you can't tear it in half. <laughs> it's a brick. Go on, Lee, try. I can't tear that in half. Have we actually mentioned no, this before on the podcast? Do I need to explain what it is? You, you best do, because it's, it's, it's a work of genius. Oh, ah, that's just worked out what you meant when you said about getting a brick through your letterbox. 
I misheard you, sorry. <laughs> Did you think you've just been <laughs> a bit dodgy? Yes. Right, the latest in the You and Who series of books came out this week. So if you go to watchingbooks.weebly.com, uh, you'll find the website where you can order it from. Okay, the very first You and Who book was before I knew how much enthusiasm there'd be for the project. And so the first one was just kind of general essays about Doctor Who. With the second one, we did the whole of Doctor Who, story by story, and we got an essay for every single story. And so for this third one, I've moved it on to being about British telefantasy in general. So there are 175 essays in there covering... I'm not sure, 155 different series, starting with Quatermass in 1953 and going right up to Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell this year. Mm. What it is, essentially, is about the viewer as much as it is about the programmes. So the criteria for the essays, and the essays have all been submitted by various different people from people you'll never have heard of, to people who've actually written for Doctor Who. And what they basically do is write about their memories of watching something. Now, whether those memories being where they watched it and who they watched it with, or whether those memories being what their reaction was to the programme itself. So some of them are anecdotal, some of them are uh, autobiographical, some of them are reviews. But it's 175 essays each of which is unique and different from all the rest. Mm. But generally the theme of the book is, if you like British science fiction, fantasy, horror on the telly, this essentially covers just about everything you'll ever have watched or ever want to watch. I'll just flick through some pages. What have we got? Hogfather. A few more. Crystal Maze. Edge of Darkness. Box of Delights. Box of Delights, yeah. Children of the Stones. Mm-hmm. The Wombles, Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons, and finally, what's next? You're going back so far, you're going to end up at Quatermass. <laughs> Blue Peter. Blue Peter. Mm. Yeah, there are about three or four series in there that people wouldn't ordinarily classify as fantasy. Well, as I mentioned, Janet Ellis, that kind of <laughs> works, doesn't it? Well, there were a couple of series that I wanted to be included because people's memories of them would be in line with their memories of things like Doctor Who. Basically, this is a Doctor Who fan's guide to other things that Doctor Who fans will like. Mm. <clears throat> so Blue Peter and Grange Hill are in there because all Doctor Who fans have memories of Blue Peter and Grange Hill. But also there are a couple of other series. I shan't name them, but there are a couple of other series where people wrote in and said, can I write about such and such? And I said, look, by any criteria, that doesn't count as telefantasy. If you can convince me that in some <coughs> way, however <laughs> tangential it might be, I can count that as fantasy. I'll happily have an essay on that in the book because I don't want to rule anything out. I don't want to be a dictator about this. Mm. Uh, both the people who are writing those essays got back to me with explanations that made me think, yeah, fair enough, that can go in the book. And so there's a couple of essays in there. That... News round. No. But, <laughs> but what I will say is... <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> the four essays that aren't technically on fantasy series... Four of the better essays in the book. Mm. I'm not picking out favourites, <coughs> but those four essays are four excellent essays. Is it too late to take mine out after that statement? <laughs> what did you write about? I can't remember. Mine was the stone tape. Of course it was, yeah. And Simon, you did... 
the adventure game. That's right. Mark, you didn't this time. I didn't contribute this time, I'm afraid. No. You had a lot of things going on, though, to be fair. One or two, yeah. I wasn't going to contribute, but the remake of Survivors wasn't going to get an essay, so I wrote it. You haven't mentioned the charity yet, have you? Terence Higgins Trust, because it, I launched the uh, submissions process on the anniversary, the 10th anniversary of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Terence Higgins Trust is the, ter- the uh, Ross T. Davis charity of choice from his appearance on Toby Haydock's Who's Round and so it seemed appropriate but, and I write about this at the start of the book a hundred odd years after the foundation of the welfare state after the beginning of the NHS mm-hmm. we live in a society that shouldn't need charity anymore mm. we should be looking after our own and yet, we still do need charity. And further than that, when AIDS, HIV, originally broke in the 1980s, you couldn't move for it on the news. And that continued probably throughout the 1990s as well. Here in 2015, it hasn't gone away, but it's very rarely on the news anymore. Yeah. Mm. And something like the Terence Siggins Trust would not be getting the amount of donations that they would have once upon a time. Mm. So charities like that, which do an enormous amount of good work, more in need of our support now than at any time. So it was only last week, wasn't it? It was on the news because of Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, that, and that's been. And that was a surprise because when before that did you hear about it? Freddie no. Mercury or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the how do you get hold of the book again? watchingbooks.weebly.com or look up J.R. Southall or you and who else on Amazon okay. on Amazon as well you can find mm. it it's in print 790 pages of it <laughs> for 20 quid and it's on Kindle for a fiver and don't buy it thinking it's reviews although some are reviews aren't they yeah. I have the Kindle version because I'm a tight wad um, I've only <laughs> read the first one the first essay and it's really good um, if it's anything like the contact has been made essays um i found them so diverse it's just such a, a it's like a sort of social document um yeah That's of the viewers and it was great you know you had some really personal stories some slightly more review based ones but each one just had something to draw you in there's a lot of history and politics and socio-politics mm. in this it's almost like a sort of mini history of the last 60 years of great britain and it's also really good, although it is quite a big book, it's the sort of thing you can dip in and out of, so, you know, you can perhaps read it on the bus on the way to work yeah. or whatever. There's well, on no, my Facebook. There's no, there's no through yeah. there's no plot in this. There's been people on my Facebook saying, oh, I've been going in and reading the people I know. Mm. And then somebody else has said, oh, I started in the decade where I first started watching television, mm. so I'd be reading about the things that I remembered from when I was a kid. And there's a lot of kids' programmes in there because, you know, kids' programmes generally do fall under the criteria of fantasy, don't mm. they? So yeah. so it's a... What it is, it's 800 pages of nostalgia, yeah. basically. Nostalgia for all ages. And, you know, if you weren't the right age, you'll get the nostalgia by reading somebody else's memories mm. of it. And it's a bestseller, I've been told. Well, it got to number one on the charts on Amazon, but only because I... Seller. Only because I stuck it in the wrong category. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, pets and fishing or something? I stuck it <laughs> yeah. in. I don't know how I did it, because I've done this like half a dozen times now in different books, but I somehow accidentally clicked on film instead of television. 
So it went in with all the film guys. I tell you, what, it works books. on Mixcloud as well because I always put comedy as one of the tags on our Mixcloud shows. Because you're not telling me they're funny. But we get to about number three or four <laughs> every month. That made me laugh. There you go. <laughs> oh. It probably would have got to number one in the television chart as well, but it was in the wrong chart. Uh. Anyway, so there it is. Right, next week then, we have Figures and Ears, everybody. And until then, I was JR. I was JR. I was Lee. I was Mark. I was Simon. And we'll speak again soon.